0: Welcome to Coached Soul, a podcast for a better you. Here's your host, Steve Hudgens.
1: Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Steve, your host. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This podcast is about how to be a better you. Sometimes we interview a variety of people to help you to look at things from a different perspective. Sometimes I talk with my co-host Keith Brown, who is a Marine veteran and theologian together with a therapeutic view or a theologian point of view. We try to give you fresh ideas, how to look at things in a different perspective. Hey, welcome back to coach. So today with me again is Beth. And the last time we left off, we left a cliffhanger, which wasn't fair. It goes back to the 1980s shows of Dallas of Who Shot JR. And everybody was in suspicion of what happened. So back with me in the studio today is Beth. And Beth, the last time we left off with you, oh, my gosh, uh, Sheriff's Department arrives with DHS. And I mentioned I can't imagine what was happening. So fill us in. Let's start there and And welcome back.
0: Thank you, Steve. Well, we were very shocked to see uh, the two DHS workers and the county sheriff's, two county sheriffs there standing at our doors, wanting to talk to us about an incident that they had said had happened between my uh, husband and my adopted daughter. So uh, we they the county sheriffs took my husband outside. DHS brought me inside. And of course, by this time, it was approaching midnight, so, we each were interviewed separately. Our stories were the same, came back together in the room and they told us that there would be a, that the girls were taken because of an allegation that had been brought by my adopted daughter towards my husband and that there would be a meeting uh, at DHS on Monday morning, which that DHS meeting lasted four and a half hours. My, uh, Two daughters were there. My oldest son was. My youngest son was there. Uh, My ex-husband was there. We had DHS workers. We had attorneys. We had the guardian ad litem there. We had uh, Cree Oaks there. It was quite the show uh, that we walked into.
1: So, Beth, let me interject real quick. I mean, this had to be a shock to you. Of, uh, I'm assuming none of this you knew.
0: No, none of it.
1: And, and so you said there was an allegation that was made. Yes. So did they tell you what was said or, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm just trying to figure out, I would be in shock of not knowing what to do if this had happened.
0: Yes, they had, they, the allegation that was made was that uh, my husband had fondled my daughter.
1: That's a serious accusation. And, well,
0: and also one that cannot be proven.
1: Okay. We'll, we'll kind of go into that a little bit, but do you have any idea of what caused the allegation?
0: Well, yes, kind of. I mean, we're, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, 20 but backtracking, um, there was a coach at the school that she was going to that had been um, arrested, allegations made against this basketball coach of him having um, affairs with his basketball girls. Well, this was her basketball coach in middle school. Also, there was a girl, a family of three kids that she walked home from the bus with, and the oldest girl was two years older than Elizabeth. And in that, this, um, this little girl made an accusation against her stepfather of, I'm not sure what that allegation was, but it was along the same lines of sexual stuff. And those kids got taken out of that home also. And then the the basketball coach at the school she was going to, his wife was Elizabeth's favorite teacher, so she was wrapped in and around this multiple ways. So that's kind of where we're coming from that. And also, my husband is a stern disciplinarian. He expects to for not only my kids, his kids to to obey him. Um, they came from. I guess from a father who was very passive aggressive, very laid back um, to a, to a stepdad now that wanted certain rules and they weren't bad rules. They, I mean, to make the house function, they were right. The kids needed to, they had chores, they had things to do, but uh, and my, and my husband also held this daughter accountable for the actions, for the stealing, for all that she had entailed at school I mean, he held her accountable and it got to the point that she retaliated on the accountability that he was holding her to.
1: And I want to remind our listeners too that the fact that in the last podcast, you had mentioned that they came back from their, the biological father, even though he was the one that helped, you know, adopted the child as well. They just came back and alluded to, Hey, you're going to move in with us. Do you know if that played a part into the allegation of her wanting to go live with her bio dad? I mean, with Absolutely. with her dad, yeah.
0: Absolutely, because there were not the rules there um, that there was in our home. I mean, my kids couldn't watch certain movies, couldn't listen to certain you know music. I mean, we we held us uh, you know a tight rein. I mean, they still had their decisions that they can make and they were involved in, but you know, as parents, we we were just made them accountable and down and with their stepmom and dad, those were very, very, very laxed. So yes, it absolutely did play a big part.
1: You know, one of the things that I discuss with parents and in therapy sessions is the discipline of of children. The one of the things that I try to stress is that as parents, we need to validate our feelings of our children, that we can't dismiss them. Uh, Guilt and shame, Uh, cannot be brought into the area of disciplining your children. When you think about the complexities of your situation with her being adopted, that changes the dynamics. But now not only is she adopted, y'all divorce, and then you remarry. And so now we have another situation on our hand. It's a blended family. Blended families can be complex and difficult and challenging. When you think about it, uh, I have been in a blended family and I realized something prior to me becoming a therapist in regards to working, uh, being in a blended family is the fact that I'm not trying to take the responsibility or I don't like the word power, but the authority figure, so to speak, away from the non-biological parent. But I feel like the bio parent should be the one that be, is the forefront that delivers the consequence of whatever has happened. So typically what I suggest, or even in my own way, is that when you are a non-bio parent, you bring it to the attention of the bio parent of what happened together you go out away from the children's ears and you discuss what has happened. And together you come out and the bio parent says, this is what we have decided the course of action is going to be. The non-bio parent should be the mentor, should be the encouragement of the children, but also uh, to be an advocate for the bio parent and to Help facilitate good parenting skills together on a forefront. What do you think about that as you look back on the situation of yours? Is that something that should be considered, Beth, in a blended family, or what are your thoughts?
0: Oh, yes. I believe that 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 was also a big uh, detriment to our little family there was because I was so glad to have a man that would come in and discipline, you know, basically be the dad that they really didn't have in some areas. Now their, their dad was there in areas, but in some areas he wasn't. So I was really glad after raising five kids, I felt on my own that, um, I had a husband who was, was act, was actually act excited to have these, you know, and an, all these kids, not just the two younger ones, but the three older ones. So I let him discipline. I let him, you know, more than I realized, but I did, um, after all this, happened in hindsight 2020 in talking to different people and therapists iron counselors. I realized that it should have been me doing the discipline and him backing me instead of vice versa when I was married to their dad.
1: So when you think about it, you know, as parents, we have to come together, whether we're in a blended family, normal family, it, it, we have to come together as parents to be on the same page and that we need to be supportive. Now, I know sometimes one parent can exasperate or push a child too far in their discipline. And one of the things that I talk to parents about is when we start taking things away all the time, that child's going to get to a point where you can't tell me what to do anymore because you've taken everything away from me. What more can you do to me now? And so there should be age appropriate ways of handling consequences, but not to the extreme that we're exasperating a child or where they just give up. But in your situation, Beth, you know, when you think about what occurred, you know, here she is is, has an opportunity to go back to live with her father who adopted her versus staying with you. You have your husband who is, being a father figure, trying to provide discipline and and such. And then boom, you have this bombshell. Let's kind of pick up a little bit on what happened uh, through the DHS investigation and so forth. If, you know, if you're at liberty to to share some of that information.
0: Well, um, yeah, like I said, after a four and a half hour DHS meeting, they concluded that they were not only going to take my adopted daughter out of the home, but they were going to take my natural daughter out of the home um we had a meeting away from everybody else with my attorney and my husband and we were meeting back in in a hall and I and my husband said I will leave if Elizabeth can stay with you but DHS um had deemed me hostile in a hostile home and would not even return her to me and that was after um I was accused of pulling her hair and I had admitted I did not lie about that but I had admitted that i had pulled elizabeth's hair after i was frustrated because she flat refused to get up and do any kind of chores that i had asked her to do it was mowing the lawn and i pulled her ponytail and because of that dhs deemed me hostile and our home hostile so the 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 two girls were pulled out of the home and i did not get to see them for approximately three years
1: so that's a long time you don't want to go into a lot of details and it's not necessary but that had to have a huge impact on your marriage.
0: Oh, yes. I mean, we had gotten to the point where our home had become a boxing. I mean, it was just it we were not getting along at all. I mean, we were, you know saying we were throwing the the B the big D word around more than we should have. and at that point, you know, we were ready to walk away and end it. We didn't have any kids together, so I didn't have that tie with him even though we loved each other, it was just more stress than either one of us could handle. Um, and also with the with the girls being there, it, it just, they were fighting all the time and it just got to be too much for all of us.
1: So I can't imagine the emotional drain and frustration that this brought on you. Is there anything that you could tell our listeners in regards to what are some positive things that, you can help them to know that parenting skills or other things that you may have learned that can help you through this. What, what would you suggest?
0: Well, after the girls were gone, of course, I had all this time and on my hands and I just, I poured myself into reading, just reading everything that I could learn about mental disorders that I had come to find out. And then that we were, you know, once the diagnosis came in on Elizabeth, I began to pour into and learn about all these diagnoses. I, I just, like I said, I thought we were dealing with a, teen, a rebellious teenage daughter. I did not know that we were really dealing with. Um, like I said, I became knowledgeable and knowledge in turn taught me how to pray. I would, I would come against specific diagnosis, um, things, how she was acting out. And I will say that praise and worship poured hundred percent of my time into, um, my spirit trying so that I could fight this battle for my family, because I stood for my family in the restoration that I knew that God was going to bring because I stayed with my husband because one, I knew that it was a lie. And two, I knew that God would vindicate the lie because that's just, that's the God that we, that we serve. But so, you,
1: you know, Joe, that it, it, it and, and when you think about what you're sharing here, I mean, we live in a society that you're guilty before you're innocent. And it, it, it used to be innocent until proven guilty. Now you're guilty until you're proven innocent. And you're dealing with all these things. And then as you learned, as you said in the last podcast, it's not really about a rebellious teenager. It was the reactive attachment disorder that came about through her attachment issue so right
0: and also well and also a little bit backstory on her is she i i told her that she was adopted when she was three i mean i had three older you know children that i knew that they would somebody would leak that information and i just thought it would be better when she was younger and if it came from me but her knowing even at that small age that she was really messed with her she just did not, from that point on, could not fit in, in her mind, in our family, even though she wasn't treated different, we all loved her the same, she, in her mind, she wasn't, she just wasn't a part of us, and I just, she begged, uh, one time she found her birth mom on Facebook, which I stayed in contact with her birth mom, because I knew her as a teenager, and she was close to our family, and I, I would not let them have, uh, contact because her birth mom was not healthy. And I did not need two unhealthy people coming together.
1: So so, so, so I'm sorry. I want to clarify a little bit. When you, when you talk about unhealthy, be more clear in that statement, as far as unhealthy, are you talking about uh, medical wise or what, what are you talking about when you say unhealthy?
0: Mentally, she was not, uh, her birth mom was diagnosed bipolar. She had lost her previous children due to uh, trying to commit suicide. So she had a drug addict. You know, she came from drugs and alcohol. She couldn't support her kids. It just was not a healthy lifestyle, and it wasn't a positive role model for to be around. And from that point on, it built resentment towards me because I would not allow her to have anything to do with her birth mom until she turned eighteen.
1: So I'm surprised when usually when. Uh... Parents adopt children. It's usually a closed adoption. I understand you knew this person, but during this adoption, did they say they can't have contact with the birth child, or was it encouraged?
0: No, I left it open because uh, I knew her birth mom personally. I loved her as one of my kids. So no, I left it open. I would send pictures to her. Um, it's just I told you know I told her birth mom that I until she's eighteen, I don't want any contact. And she stood by that for the most part, she did stand by that,
1: so she reaches out to her birth mom and and then what takes place there?
0: Well, at this time, mom still is birth mom still isn't healthy uh, she's now Elizabeth is now eighteen, and um, she has reached out to birth mom has a relationship with her it, it it's a vital relationship because again, neither one of them are healthy mind wise. And, um, a lot of times one will walk away from the other, cussing each other out. It's just, that's what I tried to save her, you know, to keep her from walking on eggshells both ways on those two. You
1: you know, as, as parents, we want the best for our children. So we try to do a lot of protecting and shielding. And, and sometimes it, 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 it's difficult to shield and protect our children from getting hurt Mm -hmm. and harmed. That sometimes they just have to be allowed to to suffer the, the, the these experiences, but not to the detriment to where they're going to be physically harmed. And I, and I know you didn't want that, and and, and things of that nature. But I, I want to know here. Here she is. You mentioned she's eighteen. Um, what did happen of the of the case? Let's talk a little bit about that uh, for the sake of time. What has happened after they? took the children away. What's the redemptive side of this story?
0: Well, on our end of it, the uh, county detectives called my husband, asked him if he wanted to come in for an interview. And on the advice of his attorney, he was told that uh, this was a ongoing custody case between uh, his wife and you know my ex-husband. And the county detective said, that's all we need to know. And we thank you. From that point on, we have never heard from a DA, from police, nobody. So, um, but on the other hand, because my girls were 13 and 14, the only way to get them back was to take DHS to court. And as we all know, DHS is a government entity and they're going to protect themselves. We were asked, we did file a a you know a petition before the DH the big DHS in Oklahoma City. We sent about a two-inch file in on my daughter of all of her cycle, you know, all of her psychiatrists, all of her evaluations, all of her school behaviors, all of her detention, everything. It was about a two inch file, two and a half inch file. I mean, even all um of the things about the school that she was going to and the coach and we sent it all in and they still came back on um substantiated on both of us that i was failure to protect and i don't even remember what his was but so yeah that, it came that's that was that is still to this day the standing on it now i will say that my daughter has gone into a program in uh joplin missouri called path she is, has, is doing outstanding. Um, she is going to graduate. This, she will be a senior this year, and she has changed so much. She has been repentive. She has written a letter to my husband. She's written a letter to me um, apologizing, for, apologizing for everything that she has done. She's called the district attorney's office. She's called the county the county detective, and she also called DHS to report to them that she had lied. But DHS said that they've never had anybody that would, that came back and, you know, reverse their statement. So they didn't do anything about it. But so as far as today, legally, it all still stands. My girls have aged out. So um, I couldn't fight it. So I had to fight it on my knees praying.
1: So when you think about all these years, you, you miss out on birthdays, you miss out on a variety of things as a mom that had to be hurtful to you. And then all of a sudden she recants her story. And as a mom, I mean, what do you do with these emotions?
0: You cry a lot. You, um, you just stand. I just found scriptures. I, you know, in the, in the Bible that I stood on and I stand on and I still to this day, I'm standing on uh, for the restoration of my family. When she told the truth, she lost her siblings her siblings basically as to this day have disowned her because it caused such a, you know, all my, all my kids walked away from me because I did stay with my husband because I knew that he, that he was innocent and that she was lying. Um, And if, and if for one moment I had ever thought that something had happened, I would not have stayed with him, but I knew that I knew that I knew that she was lying. So yes, I went, many birth, I went three years without seeing my youngest, any birthdays, my three grandkids and my, my youngest son. And so it was hard to go without, you know, no Christmases, no birthdays, any holidays, any mother's day Well, it was really hard. So are,
1: are you, are you, are you saying now that uh, you said you haven't seen them in three years? Are you seeing them now?
0: Yes. Uh, as of July 3rd, last year, my youngest son called me on the phone and said mama can we talk and i said absolutely and for the next 30 minutes we talked we cried we laughed and he said mama will you come over tomorrow and celebrate the fourth of july with us we really would like to for you to come over and see the fireworks and eat with us i said i'll be there and he said mama he said i gave my heart back to the lord <clears throat> father's day and he said I just want you in my life, and so I went with them the next Sunday, that next day, which was July the 4th, I went with them, saw them for the first time in three years, and we all went to church together.
1: What an incredible, just an incredible story, and I can't imagine how much more love that you have through this turmoil, Beth, I want to say we're, we're out of time, but I want to say thank you for sharing your story and the courage that you have that this podcast could be able to help others to understand the nightmare and just the incredible redemption story of love that's there for your child. And now they're having a relationship with you.
0: Well, I will say this: I never walked away from from Elizabeth. I stayed in her life. I mean, I was angry. I will say that, but I stayed, and I thought, if I'm going to love her like Jesus, then I've got to treat her like Jesus would treat her, and like Jesus treats me. So I stayed in her life, and to this day, we have an awesome, awesome, awesome relationship. Um, you know, we talk every day, multiple times a day. So God is not only bringing this around. And God's not done with our family yet.
1: Great story. Awesome. Beth, thank you for being on the show.
0: You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, be safe and be kind.